Will you turn with me to the scriptures, please? The children make their way out. Turn with me to, to the book of Job, please. We have two scripture readings to the book of Job. Now, where's the book of Job if you're not familiar with it? It's the book right before the book of Psalms, so it'll be easy for you to find it. The book of Job, chapter 14. Job 14. It'd be wonderful to read all of this chapter, but we won't. We're only going to lift out a few verses tonight. Let's read from verse 14, please. Job 14, verse 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. If you'll turn then to the Psalms for our second reading. Turn to the Psalms, please, to Psalm 102. Psalm 102. Just a few verses out of this Psalm also. Let your eye run down, please, to verse 25. As of old thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works, of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. And thou art the same, and thy years have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before Let's pray. Father, take your own word and inscribe it on our hearts and print it on our minds tonight. May your spirit have free course in here. We pray that any distracting thoughts will be erased from our minds and any opposing spirits will be bound in the name of Jesus. That thy word would be loosed upon our lives and within our hearts. And that your Son would be glorified and exalted in our midst. So, Father, to that end, we give you praise and glory, for we are the work of thine hands. And help us, Lord, to hear your word with clarity. And help us, Lord, to walk according to your word in assurity. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Waiting for a change. That's what I want to entitle the message tonight. Waiting for a change. Job said that he would wait for his change to come. The psalmist in Psalm 102 also said about a change for the heavens and the earth. It says, They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. He then goes on to tell us, but thou art the same, and thy years have no end. And the children of God will endure with God. 
It tells us in verse 28, the children of thy servants shall continue and their seed shall be established before thee. Notice this change. God wants to bring change to the world. God will bring change to the earth, to the world system, and he wants to bring change to you and I. Whenever Job is speaking, he's speaking of a time to come. The psalmist also was speaking of a time to come when Christ will return and he will change us to be fashioned like unto his own glorious body. See, you and I live in a world or a society that's always changing. It's evolving to some form or shape or matter. Sometimes it's for the good. For example, medical science finds cures for terminally ill patients or people with debilitating sicknesses and diseases. Now, although it's good that they are finding these cures and that they are changing their thoughts and changing their ways all the time, we must also be wary that scientists do not attempt to be play God in certain situations also. We live in a world that has become a global village. Skype. I think I've been on it once and I couldn't find how to get on it, but there you go. Skype. When you can actually see someone on your phone and talk to them, who'd have thought it? What about satellite television, the internet, social networking, mobile phones, the smartphone that does everything under the sun, but bar make me a cup of tea, that would be the one thing I would want it to do out of all of them. <laughs> Networks enabling us to speak and to text, to message all around the world in the remotest of places. And we find that the world is changing. Science is changing. Our communication systems have changed drastically throughout the years. Governments change. We've had a change of government recently here. Governments change. Policies change. Politicians change. Our neighborhoods change. Lifestyles change. Our families, even when we lose loved ones, our lives change. We're always changing. Changes all around us. Changes in every part of our society. There's change everywhere we look. And many times we don't even realize the change. Sometimes the change catches up on us. Yet you and I as believers, blood-wise Christians, we are waiting for the great change. Listen to what Chambers Dictionary says about change. Change is to alter or to make different. To make the pass from one state into another. To suffer alteration. To become different. That's simply Chambers Dictionary. It says about change. So the world around us is changing. Global warming or whether we believe in global warming or not is another thing, but it's changing. Weather patterns are changing. Floods and droughts and snowstorms and hailstones, earthquakes and tsunamis and volcano with volcanic eruptions all around the world becoming increased all the time. Tornadoes, forest fires. We can go on and we go on about famines and tragedies all around the world. There's change. The world is changing. The earth is groaning and travail 
looking for a change. This very planet that we live on, it's groaning for its creator. It's groaning for like a woman ready to give birth to her baby, to her child. It is groaning in travail that it would be changed. And the only one that can change this planet, change this world system, change the governments, and change everything is Christ at his return. This world is groaning. When we see all of these things happening, it's looking for her great creator. The economy is changing. We hear it all the time. Bankruptcy of the, of the banks and the financial collapse from 2008. Failing businesses, giant corporations were collapsing everywhere. There's a change underway in the world of financial powers where it went from USA and the West, then it swings to Russia, China, India, and the East. Now it's looking to swing back again. And most of it is changed by world banking. Most of it is changed by the elite bankers who run the world. Most of it is changed by a new world order's Men who have gathered together to set up, as it were, their kingdom on this earth. It's changing every day, and we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. Society has changed at large. It used to be that you could leave your front door open. I have to be honest. If I'm out and I come back, a lot of times my wife has left our front door open still. And I I grew up in Belfast, and we had to make sure our front door was locked. But it used to be that people went in and out of each other's houses, as it were, and the doors were open at all hours. And and that's the way society was. It's now changed. We don't even know who our neighbors are. know nothing about them. Where it was family-orientated, it was community-based, and and our whole whole society has changed at large. No longer is it safe for people to walk down most streets, especially at night when nighttime comes, Law and order is no longer adhered to. It's changed. Morals have changed. Films, television, books, newspapers, magazines, billboards, advertisements, the things you see in them and on them, the things you could watch on television now. It used to be it would never have dreamed of having even that, what they call a, a watchable for children and young people that wouldn't have been uh, able to be screened on television. We wouldn't have heard the language that you hear, the language that is vulgar and vile and language that is sexual and, and language that is, that is just downright nasty and disgusting. And no longer is there a moral standard. Anything goes. Girls' magazines telling young girls how to meet boys. And it's not the, the innocent little things that they used to write in magazines. It's, it's things that young girls don't need to read and boys vice versa. The, the degradation and the degeneration of our society has, has went so far that we don't even realize it many a time. And the odd thing, the odd time, we catch hold of it. We say, how low can this society go? How bad can we get Well, we are about to get worse. As the day approaches of the coming of Christ, we're about to get worse. Children in school are being taught their sexuality, whether they feel they are male or female, 
they're being taught the things about their sexuality and how to have safe sex. When really the, the schools should be teaching them and at home, it's not how to keep safe, but how to abstain until marriage. Our society finds it plausible now that children can be taught these things and it's in school and that's okay where, where they have two mommies and two daddies living together. And thankfully not in Ulster or Northern Ireland at this time, but, but in, in marriage, living together, so-called marriage, the, 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 the unity of the family is being destroyed, the family unit. And we have just let it all go without protestation. As Christians, we have let it slip past us. We, you see, we have been brainwashed. We have been brainwashed by uh, soap operas who, who have everything under the sun going on within them. And so it normalizes the adult mind. Children's programs have now been brainwashed of the way they should be. And now it's becoming that if you determine yourself to be an animal, you have to be called that animal legally. Because in your mind you have determined that that's what you feel you are. Our, our nation, our nation has become so low fallen away from its Christian values. The word now, uh, the enemy has come in and it's within our borders and it's changing everything to bring in the gods of the heathen. And we find ourselves on the back foot as Christians. We are persecuted as it were, thankfully not yet to the degree as many others in other countries are, but we are persecuted through the, the European court laws. Hopefully, now that Brexit's here, that'll change. But nevertheless, we are persecuted for our faith because we stand for the word of God. The world is changing and it's changed so much we don't recognize it. Our nation, our society, our families, everything to do with us has changed. And it slipped past us so well that we have hardly even noticed it. Our society has changed. That Bible lessons have changed in school to become Darwinism. It's taught in school now. Creationism has changed to evolutionism. Intelligent design to Big Bang. Our children are being fed eight hours a day almost, six, seven hours a day five days a week, and yet at home they find they don't get any teaching of God's word when they get back. They don't get any correction according to the word of God anymore. And so that which they have been taught for years, that which they're taught every day and every week of every month of every year, is that which they're starting to believe. And, and now you tell the children that they come from a monkey that that's their far-out brother or sister, that they start to behave like one. They tell them they come from mud puddles. And we evolved and grew arms and legs and so forth. And, and so they start to act after a while in society that we are not created in the image of God. So we no longer need to live as it were in the image of God through Christ, that now we can live as we like. And, and so that the poverty of human nature brings us right down to the place where we act worse than the beasts of the field. And nothing is 
nothing is embarrassing anymore. Nothing deters us anymore. And the Christian church has set idol in many cases. We're afraid of political correctness. We're heart afraid. Maybe I can't speak for you, and I'm not heart afraid of it. You know me by now. I care not for political correctness. Biblical correctness. And those who are afraid of the political correct brigade, and those who will come down hard upon them, and whatever they speak or say or preach or teach according to the word of God, if you are afraid, then you'll find that you'll no longer push out those things that they used to say, but hide them in your heart. You'll no longer teach them to your children, lest your children have to come up with the struggle also. We should be teaching our children there's a struggle. We should be teaching our children there's a war. We should be teaching our children that there's a a heaven and there's a hell. We should be teaching our children and not whitewashing everything that they will, will find everything's rosy in the garden to find out later that they're lost and without Christ, without hope in the world. But training up a child in the way that they should go and when they're old, she is old, they will not depart from it. From the Sunday school, Sunday school should be thriving with children, should be overflowing with the children. The children hearing about Christ and his glorious gospel. The children hearing about the saving grace of our Lord. Hearing that even though they're young, they need to accept Christ in these days. And that he one day will come again and he's going to bring a change. He's going to change everything. And only those who have been changed in this life, that is, born again in this life, and changed in their heart and their mind and their desires. Only they who have been washed by faith in the blood of the Lamb will find that they will be changed at the coming of Christ. When he brings a great change to our vile bodies, our vile bodies that chase and run and look after the things of the world that draw us away and the things that will draw us to bring us into death. But Christ will bring his great glory And he will call us and change us in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And you and I will be fashioned in our bodies to be changed like unto his own glorious body. Oh, but we must teach our children for society. They are our society. They are our next church coming behind us. They are the church today, not coming even behind us. They are the church here, the present and now. Know how we must teach our children the things of God. If you don't teach your child how to worship God, you be sure the world will teach them how to worship the devil. If you don't teach your child how to worship Christ, you be sure that the world will teach them how to worship the devil. Oh yes, holiness of life. What is that in the church now? Where is holiness? Where is holiness in the church? Where are the men and the women who revere God and reverence him? Where are the men and the women who love Christ with all their heart that they'd rather die than give in? 
Where are the men and the women who want to serve him with a true heart, with clean hands and a pure heart, and they enter into his praise and glory? Where are the men and the women who will stand up, stand up for Jesus, the soldiers of the cross? Where are they today? They're few and far between. They'd rather be somewhere else on the Lord's day. They'd rather be having a sports day rather than the Lord's day, a holiday than the holy day. They'd rather be away in their luxury rather than being in the house of God with the witness going on for Christ. Where are they whenever the world in their workplace is saying this, that, and the other about the things of the world and the lusts of the world and the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life and they don't want to upset them yet they're upset by the things they're saying about the world. Where are we today? Where's the holiness in the church when we want to serve Christ and live for him and do what's right and abstain from those things, turn away from them and hate that which he hates. But rather now, it's no, we will. We will partake with the world. We will partake with them. And as we partake with them, we're trying to win them. Brothers and sisters, that's nonsense. This Bible tells me, this Bible tells you, and it tells us expressly that in the word of God, they went forth preaching the word of God with power and signs would follow after them. That's what Christ has ordained for us to do. Not to have fanciful ideas and, and nice little evenings. Not to have our, our, our little get-togethers without the Holy Ghost power, without the preaching of the gospel, without the preaching of the word. No, he says, preach the word, we're told. Be instant in season. And out of season, yes, they went and they preached Jesus. They preached Christ everywhere. And as they lifted up the Son of God, men and women were born again of the Spirit and were washed in the blood. Oh, the church of Jesus Christ is falling far short when we think that we can win the lost by being like the lost. That we can win the world by being like the world. Holiness of life has turned into humanism. It's all about me and it's all about my ideals and my ideas and my wills and my wants and I am the God of my own life. Humanism has come in to destroy the church. And the church is allowing it. The church is allowing it. Brothers and sisters, the Lord's day is a holy day. Now listen, I'm going to stand on somebody's corns. It's not a shopping day. It's not to go to the shop, but it's to serve the Lord. Our society has changed in such moral decline that the old saying is this, a change is as good as a rest. But what if that change is for the worse? BBC in 2007, almost a decade ago, conducted a survey and asked 1,000 adults a series of questions concerning society we live in today in Great Britain. It was for a a BBC program on belief and ethics. It was called The Big Question. And the opinion poll stated, an overwhelming number of people believe that Britain is experiencing a moral decline. 83% of those asked agreed or strongly agreed against only nine who disagreed. That sounds good. They're seeing it, doesn't it? The majority of people surveyed also believe that religion might have its part in 
putting the situation right. 62% agreed with the statement that religion might have its role to play in the moral guidance of the nation with 29% disagreeing. Brothers and sisters, why this sounds good, it's not religion our nation needs. It's not religion. It's not another denomination our nation needs. Our nation needs Christ. Our nation needs the Word of God. Our nation needs the blood of the Lamb to be applied to every doorpost and every door lintel of every house across the United Kingdom and Ireland. That's what our nation needs. Our nation needs Jesus. Our nation needs the reality of God. Our nation needs to hear that there's a kingdom come and it needs to hear there's a lake of fire. Our nation needs to hear between it stands Christ on his cross and his glory to come. You must enter by the blood of the Lamb. Our nation needs to hear that. Now that's almost a decade ago and many are saying, oh yes, there's a moral decline. But even since that, the, the decline has went downhill somewhere greater. And I don't know what the statistics would be today. Listen to the old president of America from many years ago, Benjamin Franklin. He said, he who shall introduce into public affairs the principles of primitive Christianity will revolutionize the world. I want to say it again. He who shall introduce into public affairs the principles of primitive Christianity will revolutionize the world. You see, primitive Christianity, he said, is different. Primitive Christianity had no label. It had no Protestant denominationalism label. It didn't have a Roman Catholic label. It didn't have any label whatsoever. It was they who are followers of the way. And then they were called Christians in Antioch. And that primitive Christianity, they went forward preaching Christ and the blood of the Lamb and his finished work on the cross. They went forward in the power of the Holy Ghost and the Lord was working with them doing signs and wonders. That is the primitive Christianity. There were men who came to the silent early apostles of God and were told that they were called the Kildee. That's where we get the name Kildee from, the early Chaldean church. And, they mean, and it means these men were preachers of the word. These men were alive with the things of God. These men had no denominational affiliation. These men were loose to the gospel and sold out for Christ. And they came and they prayed for the sick and they were healed. And they preached to, to the dying and they rose from the dead again. And they preached to those who were spiritually blind and they were able to see. And they were called the servants of God who came to this land of Ireland. This is the primitive church that will change the world. And our church has become so formalized and ritualized and pastorized and hegemonized or whatever else other eyes we can put in it there. It has become so lethargic and lazy and dead. It's become so religious and tight. Christ says, oh, you've fallen far short for the glory I have for this glorious bride. Notice this. Proverbs 14 and verse 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, 
but sin is a reproach to any people. My brothers and sisters, today it's all, you know, you can't bring in those politics and you can't do that. Listen, and I don't want to do that either. But how do we expect laws to be passed and be turned back to that which was originally founded on in our land and in our nation if godly men and women are not elected into office? You see, the problem is we are not protesting. We are protestants. We are not protesting enough. We're not protesting against the things of the world. We're not protesting against the political correctness. We're not protesting enough against the laws that are passed in Parliament, or should I say in Brussels mostly. We are not protesting enough, and thank God that we protested at the time of Brexit on the 23rd of June when the Lord says, come out of our my people! And we protested with our vote to come out. What happened to Ulster? What were all those loyal Protestants? Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You know, the old saying says, as goes the home, so goes the nation. And that's true. And that's why they want to break down your family unit. That's why they want to have little Jimmy has two daddies. Little Sadie has two mommies. That's why they want to break down everything that we know as normal and natural according to the Word of God. That's why they want to tear apart loving homes and families. That's why they want to even change the definition of marriage. Break down the home when they break down the nation. And the nation will go into disarray and fall deeper into sin. This is the work of the devil, brothers and sisters. This is the work of the wicked one. But you see, a change is coming. A change is coming, brothers and sisters. Christ is coming. And he is going to change it all. Praise his name tonight. He is coming soon. 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 says, A little leaven leaveneth a whole lump. In other words, one parent in a family can affect the whole family for the good or the bad. I know there are some people in here, and you may be a one-parent family. God bless you. We're for you. We love you, and we're with you. You can change your family, male or female. One family can change a whole street. One street, a town. One town, a county, and one county, the whole nation. Daniel 12 and 4, the Lord says to Daniel, But thou, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and and knowledge shall be increased. The idea of knowledge increased doesn't necessarily always mean that they become more intelligent, because sometimes in our intelligence, God allows us to be intelligent to help one another. But the idea here is the knowledge is they will scar from land to land and seed to seed to find out the right way of things and learn the wrong. Gives the idea of an oar splashing into the water when they used to row across the boat. That's the idea of it. They will travel to and fro. Knowledge has increased so much that those who have have a high intelligence, as it were, in our nation and around the world, 
that are held in such high revere, anything they say, well, it must be true. Whatever they say must be true. All I know is that there was a big bang billions of whatever it was, trillions of years ago. How do you know? Were you there? The answer is no. Science has been misproven many times over. They have to always move their goalposts to try to fit in that which they're teaching. Solomon, Solomon observed an increase of knowledge was synonymous with the increase of sorrow. Ecclesiastes 1 and 18, he says, For in wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. The more we think we know, the worse we get. The more the world thinks it knows, the further away it gets. Now, it's okay that the blasphemy law has been lifted in Britain. The blasphemy law no longer stands. So you can blaspheme the Lord Jesus Christ. You can say there is no God and make fun of him and a mockery of him. And there's no blasphemy law in Britain anymore. I would say go try that with Muhammad. Notice, our world is changing for good in certain things, but mainly for the wrong or the worse in many ways. Brother, sister, friend, change is going to come. A global change, a national change, a personal change. It's going to come to all of those who are in Christ Jesus, who are saved. 1 Corinthians 1 and 21, listen to what it says about wisdom. After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased men by the foolishness of preaching to save them not believe. In other words, they're so intelligent, they're their own gods. And in God's eyes, they're just so stupid. They're dumb. But you and I, well, I'll speak of me, I can't speak of you. But me... Five-eighths, the little boy from the back streets of the shore road. He who left school with no qualifications. Who could hardly have told you from his left and his right because he was always in trouble and he never uh, studied too much. He was allowed to see by the drawing of the Spirit of God the Lord Jesus Christ dying for him bearing my sin in his own body on the tree. And in my simplicity, he called me out of death and he showed me Christ who died for me. Now I'm confounding the world. <laughs> and those who say they are intelligent and smart and have letters after the name, the length of the alphabet, they don't hold anything in me. God reveals in his word the mysteries of the kingdom to me. God has shown me the eternal things of God. God has laid a foundation in my heart and it will never be removed. When they die, it'll die with them. Foolishness of preaching to save them that believe that it doesn't say foolish preachers. 
the foolishness of preaching is when many a time I'm sure you're down there looking at him up here and when you're looking at me up here, you're thinking, look at that head the ball up there. Getting all carrying away and, and getting excited about Christ. You know what? I'm a fool for Christ. And I don't care. I'm more willing to be even more foolish like David when he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. He slayed all the animals and all the blood was down the street and he started carrying in the Ark of the Covenant and David stripped himself just to his underwear and he started jumping round and round in circles. I've got a touch of sciatic. I won't try it tonight. My back's killing me. I can't get rid of this sort of thing. You can pray for me about that. And he spun round and round in circles in his linen ephod, in his underwear. And his wife, Micaiah, looks at him and goes, I'll put it in Ulster language, look at you, you idiot, you. That's what she says. You're no fool. And he says, ah, oh, and I'll put it in the Ulster language. I'll paraphrase. Micaiah, you dear, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he says. I will worship him. I will worship him. I will praise him and worship him and care for none and be a fool for Christ for he has saved my soul. Oh, brothers and sisters, we're way beyond the world. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. The gospel message is a changing gospel. The gospel is a life-changing gospel. It's a mind-changing gospel. It's a desire-changing gospel. It's a home-changing gospel. It's a family-changing gospel. But it's a soul-saving gospel. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. You see, repentance is a, a, a word that we're talking about change. Change means repentance, or repentance is change. And the word repentance in the Old Te- New Testament is the word metanonia, and that means a change of mind and a change of heart. Friend, everyone, our Lord came across Old and New Testament. He changed them. He took a twister, a rogue, a heel grabber, called Jacob, and he changed his name to Israel, which means prince ruling with God. He took a stammering Moses from the backside of the desert, and he made him Israel's advocate and leader. He took a cowering Gideon behind the threshing of the wheat in the vat where the wine was pressed, and he takes him, he makes him a victorious general in the army of God. He takes a shepherd boy from the sheepfolds who had been forgotten even by his father for the anointing and the choice of the Lord, and he makes him king over all Israel, psalmist and sweet singer and prophet. He takes Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and he makes him the builder and the planter, the puller down and the builder up of nations. He takes Simon a stone, he who is neither here nor there at time, who is movable, who is impetuous. He's here, he's there. He's for you, he's not. He's with you, he's against you. He doesn't know his own mind. And he takes him and he makes him into an apostle. Peter, a rock, not the rock, a rock. 
Everyone our Lord comes across, he changes them for their good. John, the son of Boanerges, or the son of thunder, and he turns him into the apostle of love. He takes Saul, the persecutor of the early church, and he changes him to Paul, the church planter, and the apostle of the risen Lord. He made a change in their lives. He took a demoniac. And he found him that he's changed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. He took a, a lifeless body of Jairus' daughter, and he raised her back to life and gave her to her grieving parents. He took a coffin and a funeral uh, procession, and he touched the bier, and the young man rises up out of the dead, and he gives an old woman back again her son he touched the eyes of the blind and changed their vision. He touched the body of the leper and changed their condition. He touched the tongue of the dumb and changed their rendition. He touched the heart of the sinner and changed his position. And he touched the legs of the lame and he changes their location. Everybody that Christ touches, they change. Amen. Amen. They change. Someone says, oh, I got saved last week or the week or the month or the year before, whatever, whatever it is, and there's no change, there's no Christ. If there's no change, there's no Christ. Now, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, we're told. Second Corinthians 5 and 17. For those in Christ, all things, sickness and death and disease and depression and fear and anxiety and stress and worry and affliction and addiction, they can be all passed away by putting our whole faith in him. Yes, we struggle, but he carries us through. He changes us from the inside out. All things become new. Speaking of a change, the Lord Jesus Christ came and Luke 4 and 18, he walks into the synagogue and he lifts the scroll of Isaiah and he reads it. He looks down the part where we would have in Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3 and he reads that he has come to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the open of the prison to them that are blind. And maybe you're finding yourself, whether it's spiritually or physically or, or, or maybe in your body, you're sickly, you, you, you need bound up because your heart is broken. Maybe you need liberty spoken and proclaimed over you and into your life that you're captive, captive by addiction, captive by lust, captive by pornography. No matter what it may be, maybe you're captive by the lust of your flesh and the pride of your own life and you're found captive and you says, I can't break free of this. Well, Jesus says he will change you. He has come to set the captive free. Amen. You see, if there's no change, there's no Christ. But if you know Christ, you'll know change. You're waiting for a change. Well, what a change can be wrought in your life when Jesus comes into your heart. He gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He changes our minds and our spirit. Acts 26 and 18, Jesus says he would send Paul to turn those from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Listen, darkness to light. Men and women unsaved are in darkness and they're under the power of Satan. They don't even believe, believe it or know it. They don't even realize it. 
The word power there, by the way, is the word exousia, and it means the right, the privilege, the authority given to Satan to hold them, to accuse them. He has a right. He has a right. He has that power. He has the license and the privilege to accuse men and women who are in darkness. But you see, when Christ comes and he sets the captive free by proclaiming liberty to that man and woman by the power of the cross and the blood of the Lamb, he proclaims liberty because he has come and died and rose again, that you can be free, that the sinner can be free, free from the guilt of sin, free from the wrath of God. You can be free from the curse of the law. And he says, you can be free indeed. And the devil has no right. He's no authority. He's no power. And he's no privilege over you. In fact, he gives you the power that believe to become the sons of God. First, or John chapter 1 and verse 12. He gives you the right, the power, and the privilege to become a child of the king. In other words, you have the authority. You have the power and the privilege to say, I'm a child of God. And Satan has no longer that bound and hold over you. So in our reading, you'll be glad to know that's my introduction. Job says we're waiting for a change. I'll do it some other time. 